WABC New York and 1071 WLIR Hampton Bays. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yep, that's me. Good morning. It is Friday, January 19th. Thank God. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Snow starts this morning. The snow showers continue this afternoon. We could get one to three inches here in the city before the storm moves out tonight the high 33 and then saturday mostly cloudy high 26 sunday sunshine high 33 if you are walking out the door with us right now 25 and cloudy up in peak skill in westchester county it's 30 and cloudy in little silver down in new jersey and it is 30 and overcast here in the city so much to get to as we work our way up six o'clock hour sid and friends in the morning all right this morning will be all about the snow for most of us it's not going to be a lot but the fact that it is a morning and into the afternoon storm means it's going to you know, kind of screw things up for a lot of people. For some kids, it'll mean a day off from school. For state workers in New Jersey, offices are closed there. Here's Governor Murphy. That snow could melt into slush or turn to ice, which will make for a dangerous Friday night commute throughout the Garden State. Yes, yeah, so Murphy asking New Jerseyans to work from home, says uh, state offices closed. There's a winter advisory for 15 counties, a state of emergency going to be in effect this weekend. Governor Murphy says uh, that Mother Nature is making up for lost time. After a couple of years with hardly any snowfall in New Jersey, today we are headed for our second snowstorm of the week. All right, I'll point out that it is winter, and so it makes sense to have snowstorms now. If we were talking about this in July, it would be a much bigger story. But you do have to be careful because now you know how about that iced over stuff from the last snowstorm. Still seeing that out in some places on side streets. The New York City Sanitation Department has 700 million pounds of salt at the ready before the first snowflake even falls. A fleet of about 800 salt spreaders going to start making their rounds across the boroughs. The city also, by the way, Cracked down big time on people who did not shovel their walk in front of businesses or their homes. No doubt you ran into this if you were walking around the city. Just it'd be beautifully clean for a while, dry sidewalks, and then all of a sudden you it's just an ice covered sidewalk and there's really no way around it. So during the uh, last snowstorm, big one in 2022, the Department of Sanitation wrote 668 tickets uh, for people who did not clean off the walk. Over the last 24 hours, they wrote 2,000 tickets. I'm good for them. It's a little bit dangerous. You know, you take a fall here, you could break a hip, you could break an arm. You know, it's very dangerous. Yeah, nothing worse than breaking a hip. So the uh, first offense is 100 bucks. So a lot of people got those tickets over the last 24 hours. All right, so you're saying, no, I'm get to the big part of the story. What does this all mean for us? Oh, by the way. New York City public schools, they're open today, even though New York City's under a travel advisory. Checked in with the National Weather Service, as we always do. One of their chief meteorologists is Jay Angle, giving us a sense of what it'll be today. Yeah, we're looking right around the time of the uh, morning commute uh, or maybe just after or at the tail end of it. So figure much, pretty much uh, 7 to 9, 6 to 10 a.m. And then it's gone by the, uh, it starts to exit during the early portion of the evening commute. All right, so we asked Jay just how ugly it will get. Uh, whatever flakes do fall, every flake will count because the ground's cold, uh, temperatures are cold to start. 
So it's not like one of these situations when you have snowflakes that are first uh, melting when they hit the ground, and then it takes a few hours for it to get cold enough for it to stick. Whatever falls will stick. Right now, we're thinking uh, as you head well up north, maybe up to an inch, but as you head further south, there is that chance that, you know, enough uh, light to occasionally moderate snow might be able to get in here where you can pick up a couple inches uh, in and around the city and uh, getting out into Long Island and uh, southern parts of northeastern New Jersey. Yeah, and then when the snowstorm moves out, it's going to be really cold tonight in the 20s. The high is only going to be in the 20s on Saturday. You're going to see wind chills. values, especially during the late night and early morning hours, getting uh, right to around zero, maybe a bit below zero, well north and west, otherwise single-digit wind chills, uh, widespread. Okay, I know we're here all over the world and all over the tri-states, so in terms of the storm, between, let's say, 5 a.m. and 9 a.m. this morning, depending on where you are, south of the city, north of the city, the snow develops from east to west, snow on the ground, a coating or so. Snow moves into the southern zone around 5 to 6 a.m., so in this hour. So the brunt of it's going to be between 9 this morning and 4 this afternoon, periods of light, moderate snow. We could get here in the city 1 to 3 inches. That's probably the case for most of the areas where you can hear me. The snow, it tapers off about 4 o'clock this afternoon and by then here in the city again probably one to three inches uh the heaviest part of the snow will be in the afternoon and as of course misery loves company so just so you know it's we're not the only ones going through this uh the snow is really spread out across most of the country about 100 million americans could get a fresh blanket of snow before the weekend is out in buffalo where they're used to this kind of thing being miserable for all the snow a uh, reporter emil ikidia says the area has seen 14 straight days of continuous snow so much snow officials say it's not just a matter of moving the snowfall to the side they actually are having trucks come in picking up the snow and relocating the snow to other areas okay so the big deal of course for people who want to travel is there are probably going to be some problems at the airport so you'll have to check before you head out communities across the country are experiencing extreme weather coast to coast more than 60 million americans today are under winter weather alerts and that arctic glass is going to not just blast us but blast most of the country more than 30 deaths across the country including three deaths right here in buffalo we could get Another foot or even matter of feet of snow through the weekend on top of what has been a wild week. Yeah, okay, but again, Buffalo's used to that. What's so interesting about Buffalo is if it, it's all about how close you are to the lake. If The closer you are to the lake, the hardest you get slammed. So you have people who are like in downtown Buffalo who get like four inches of snow, and then uh, just a few miles away, they get a foot of snow. Uh, so it's not all buffalo that gets smacked. It's the people, it's that lake effect snow thing that's happening. WABC News Time 509. Let's go down to Uvalde, Texas. Just this awful report from Attorney General Merrick Garland telling Uvalde, Texas, that the mass shooting families, those people who lost loved ones in that school shooting, they say, uh, he says, uh, their report found that they deserve better, that cops did not do their job on that day. I also told the families and survivors how deeply sorry I am for the losses they suffered that day and for the losses they have suffered every day since. The Justice Department reports the shooting could have been stopped sooner. DOJ releasing nearly a 600-page report detailing the response to the shooting that killed 21, injured 17, In the report, the DOJ says the response to the May 24th, 2022 mass casualty incident at Robb Elementary School was a failure. The shooter was stopped 77 minutes after he first walked into the school. Failures in leadership, 
in tactics, in communications, in training, and in preparedness. Garland was in Texas to meet with the families. 33 students and three of their teachers were trapped in a room with an active shooter for over an hour as law enforcement officials remained outside. Of course, you can guess this is the last thing the families wanted to hear. This uh, Uvalde mother says the federal government's got to do something. Federal government enacts sensible gun laws because Bob Elementary began the day an 18-year-old wasn't allowed to purchase an AR-15. The uh, Uvalde father, uh, father says the Justice Department report might get things started about new gun laws. Because the DOJ stamp is on there, maybe y'all will start taking us seriously now instead of telling us to move on, telling us to sweep it under the rug and not doing a damn thing about it. WABC News on 511, President Biden pushing his economic agenda yesterday in North Carolina. Nearly 800,000 manufacturing jobs nationwide. Unemployment has been below 4%. The longest stretch in American history in the last 50 years. The president touting connecting thousands of more homes to high-speed Internet. The president also acknowledged his predecessor, Trump's recent comments at a Fox News town hall, predicting a stock market crash if he doesn't win the 2024 race. Our goal is to connect everyone in America to affordable, reliable, high-speed Internet by the year 2030. We're doing pretty damn well economically and getting better. As I told him, he's already Hoover. He's the only president to be president for four years and lose jobs, not gain any jobs. I'm guessing the president, the former one, will press and push back against that at 512 funeral services for his mother-in-law yesterday. First Lady Melania Trump, uh, the her, her mother, of course, passed away. There were funeral services held in Palm Beach, Florida yesterday. Former President Donald Trump uh, well, you know, it was not in New York courtroom where that E. Jean Carroll case was taking on. He did the right thing, of course, obviously, with his wife as she mourned her mother yesterday. We asked to just delay the trial for one day. And he said, absolutely not. The trial will go on just as it is. You can go to the funeral or you can go to the trial, but you can't do both. I thought it was terrible. There were photos taken of the entire family that showed up for the funeral at the Episcopal Church of Bethesda by the sea, which is right near Mar-a-Lago. Trump's mother-in-law died earlier this month at the age of 78. He would rather have me miss the funeral or go to the funeral, miss the trial. And that's a nasty man. He's a nasty judge. He's a Trump-hating guy. Last night, Trump spoke with Sean Hannity. Fox News spoke about the election, wanting immunity and being president and more. If you take immunity away from the president, so important, you will have you will have a president that's not going to be able to do anything. Of course, this interview right before the New Hampshire primary, Trump says he loves the state of New Hampshire, but dislikes their open primary system. Biden is a threat to democracy. He's an absolute threat to democracy. He's very dangerous for a couple of reasons. Number one, he's grossly incompetent, which is the number one reason. But he's also actually in his own way. It's not him. It's the people that surround him. And Trump telling Hannity last night that he thinks Nikki Haley has no chance in the primaries against him. 513, Hunter Biden going to sit behind closed doors for a deposition come February 28th. On Thursday, officials announced he'll take part in the House Oversight and Judiciary Committee's impeachment inquiry into President Biden. The move comes after Hunter previously avoided a December the 13th deposition date, which prompted lawmakers to threaten him with contempt of Congress. I'm Mark Mayfield. 
514. The DEA, uh, DEA seized enough deadly doses of fentanyl last year to kill every single American. Mike Casal with the DEA's Midwest office says fentanyl is now the leading cause of death for Americans between the ages of 18 and 45. Just two milligrams of fentanyl for to be, you know, a deadly lethal dose. And it, it is crazy to think that such a small amount can have such a horrible consequence. The DEA says it sees more than 77 million fentanyl pills, nearly 12,000 pounds of fentanyl in powder form in 2023. As much as we want to think that our suburban and rural communities are immune to this, these issues, whether it be meth or fentanyl, it's, it seems like nobody is immune. WABC News Time 514 hearings about impeaching the Homeland Security chief moving ahead. The mother of a woman... Uh, killed by an illegal immigrant, is telling her story to Congress. The illegal MS-13 known gay member brutally raped and murdered my daughter by strangling her with a cord and robbed her of $6. That's Tammy Nobles, who was speaking before Congress yesterday, says Alejandro Mayorkas is in charge of a system in Texas that failed to check the legal immigrant for gang tattoos. Republicans say Mayorkas has disregarded court orders, has lied to the American people when he said that the borders closed. Had DHS employees performed a visual inspection of the assailant's body, they would have seen MS-13 gang-related tattoos disqualifying him from entering the U.S. And Nobles says if federal agents had done their job and screened all the people coming across the border, her daughter would be alive today. Kayla fought for her life that day, and in the end, she lost to an individual that wasn't even supposed to be allowed in the country. No surprise, Democrats pushing it back against that hearing. We'll get into that before the morning is out. But first, 515, let's head over to the 77W ABC Sports Desk. Happy Friday. Good morning, Justin Ellis. Happy Friday. Good morning to you, Noam Aladen, on the hardwood at the Garden last night. That's where we begin. Jalen Brunson went off with 41 points, 8 rebounds, and 8 assists. Leading the Knicks to a 113-109 to 109 victory over the Washington Wizards. Brunson scored 18 of the Knicks' 21 points during a lengthy stretch of the fourth quarter, helping them push a one-point lead to 105-97 to 97 with about a minute and a half remaining. Brunson finished uh, 14 for 27 from the field and scored at least 30 for the second straight night after missing two games because of a bruised left calf. He had 20 in the fourth quarter. Tonight in L.A., the Nets return to the court to face the Lakers. That action is scheduled for a 10.30 p.m. tip-off. Now to ice hockey action last night. The Rangers got handled easily by the Golden Knights. Final score, 5-1 to one from Vegas. Mika Zibanejad scored the lone goal for the Rangers on a power play goal in the third period. And New York actually dominated early, outshooting the Knights 11-4 to four with some great A chances. That almost found the back of the net, but the momentum clearly would not last for the Blue Shirts and route to the loss. Tonight in Columbus, the Devils return to the ice to face off with the Blue Jackets. That action scheduled for 7 p.m. Uh, 7 p.m. puck drop, I should say. And finally, looking ahead to uh, NFL Divisional Round playoff action coming up this weekend, starting tomorrow at 4.30 p.m. in the AFC. The four-seed Houston Texans will visit the one-seed Baltimore Ravens as nine-and-a-half-point road dogs before the NFC takes center stage with the seven-seed Green Bay Packers in San Francisco to take on the one-seed 49ers at 8.15 p.m. tomorrow night. San Fran heads into that one as nine-and-a-half-point favorites. Those are two big spreads uh, for divisional round games. On Sunday, the NFC will uh, kick off the action at 3 p.m. with the four-seed Tampa Bay Buccaneers in Detroit to face the three-seed Lions as six-and-a-half-point road dogs before the AFC takes the reins within, my opinion, the game of the weekend, the three-seed Kansas City Chiefs with Patty Mahomes playing his first-ever road playoff game in Buffalo against Josh Allen and the Bills. That kickoff is set for 6.30 p.m. on the Sunday night, and Buffalo heads in as three-point home favorites. Any upsets this weekend, you think? 
Uh, nah, no, I don't. Going to take all the favorites. So. Yeah, I'll take I take all the favorites for sure. Uh, upright to win outright uh, for sure. But uh, there's a couple spreads I could see being covered. I wouldn't be surprised, to be honest with you, and this might sound crazy, if the Packers cover that nine-and-a-half-point spread in San Francisco. Yeah, it's a big spread. Yeah, exactly. So we'll see. But, uh, yeah, take the favorites this weekend for sure. Definitely take the Bills. Definitely take the Bills. Hmm, okay. That's sports. And I'm Justin Ellick on WABC. 520, the U.S. defending its continued strikes against the Yemen-based Houthi militia. These strikes will continue for as long as they need to continue to uh, to try to disrupt and degrade the Houthis' ability to continue to con- conduct these attacks. National Security Council spokesman John Kirby there says the nation is not looking for more conflict in the region but needs to be able to defend itself. We're not looking for a conflict with the Houthis. We're not looking for a conflict uh, in the region. But we have to be able to act in our own self-defense. Those attacks all growing out of the mess in the Middle East between Israel and Hamas. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu rejecting calls now to open pathways for a Palestinian state. He spoke at a news conference as his country continues its war against the militant group Hamas in Gaza. Netanyahu turned down U.S. calls to scale back the nation's military offensive in the Gaza Strip. He said repeatedly that Israel would not stop until it destroys Hamas and brings back all the remaining hostages. This comes a day after U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken said Israel wouldn't have genuine security without allowing a path toward Palestinian independence. I'm Lisa Taylor. Japan and the U.S. planning a leader summit come April. Correspondent Chris Gilbert says Japanese Prime Minister Kishida is expected to visit D.C. as a state guest. At the summit, he's expected to look for stronger cooperation in defense as well as economic space and cybersecurity, according to the sources. He's also expected to give an address to the U.S. Congress and visit other cities in addition to Washington, D.C. He was invited by Biden in November and was thought to be visiting in early March, but the trip was delayed due to a clash with Biden's State of the Union address. The trip's expected to take place around April 10. Chris Gilbert in Tokyo. WABC News Time 521's Chinese scientists knew vital information about COVID virus two weeks before revealing it to the world. Andrew Wood, correspondent, says the Wall Street Journal saw these documents compiled by U.S. congressional researchers that make that claim. The newspaper says a Chinese researcher uploaded a nearly complete sequence of the virus to a database run by the U.S. government on the 28th of December. At that time, the Chinese authorities were describing the COVID outbreak as a pneumonia caused by an unknown virus. The American database deleted the virus sequence in accordance with its protocols, as it could not contact the researcher. China officially shared the COVID sequence on January the 11th with the World Health Organization. Andrew Wood, Hong Kong. All right, let's bring it back home out to California. California Governor Gavin Newsom vowing now to veto a bill that aims to ban tackle football for kids who are younger than 12. The bill's sponsor says he believes the ban would save lives and that youth football can be replaced by a safer option like flag football. There's certain things that just aren't safe for younger people. And banging your brains around for little kids just isn't safe. Yeah, but football is the national pastime now, so awfully hard to pass a bill like this. We would lose the, the, the far greater benefits that football provides to a, a limited risk um, you know, uh, to injury. So many coaches have pushed back against this bill. No doubt it'll be vetoed. Republican Senate candidate, Major League Baseball legend Steve Garvey. You know, he's running for Senate in California. And he says he what he learned on the diamond prepared him to be California's next senator. Built teams and played for great players and managers, won world championships and, and learned how to um, to work with people. And I think that's so important now. We just don't see that. 
by our elected officials. Republicans really feel like they have a shot of taking this seat. The former Los Angeles Dodger, San Diego Padre, says too many politicians are more concerned about running for their next job than doing the one that they're in right now. Comes up to me and says, Steve, listen, it's, it's so bad we need another voice. I've never voted for a Republican, but I'll vote for you. We know you're moderate. You know we, you know you have good common sense. We need change. WABC News Time 524. Let's go down to Florida. A first of its kind mass shooting prevention call center launching out of South Florida yesterday. The founder, Sean Connie, says it's set to work like a suicide prevention hotline where potential shooter calls call in to a live person who can help steer them in a different direction. 80% of the mass shooters are normally suicidal or have tried suicide in the past. And if we can get to them in their planning stage, we may be able to help them. Yeah, so what uh, the uh, Sean says is that he just want to put his hands in the air and say there's nothing he can do about mass shootings. He says maybe this will help out. The line will operate like a suicide hotline. There will be there people there 24-7 answering calls. Research also indicates that these people want to be stopped. They, they don't really know how to stop other than being shot by a police officer. So if we can participate in calling them back and keeping in constant contact with them, we may be able to help them not do a mass shooting. The Gun Violence Archive says there were 630 mass shootings in the U.S. last year with an average of 118 deaths per day. Out to uh, Reno, Nevada. A county commission meeting in Reno, Nevada, opened up with a satanic invocation. A member of a Reno satanic group delivered the invocation, which started with a chant in Latin and then ended with this. And the spirit of the unconquerable sun, the bringer of light and knowledge, we say, Shemham Farash, hail Satan. Yes, so the reason they were able to do that was uh, last year, the council there voted to start hosting an invocation to begin its meetings. And so once they did that, any religious group could come forward and take part. And that's what took place yesterday, a, a satanic group. King Charles III going to be treated for an enlarged prostate next week. King Charles was very intentional about releasing this information because he wants men all across the world to know that if you're feeling some symptoms, it's important to get it checked. Correspondent Megan Fitzgerald in London says his condition is benign and the trip to the hospital is for a corrective procedure. King Charles will be going to the hospital for a, a procedure next week for an enlarged prostate. They tell us that his condition is benign. Royal experts suspect that it is because of lessons learned from the past, the importance of putting out accurate information. And he's not the only royal in the hospital. The Princess of Wales in the hospital following surgery. The statement released by Kensington Palace on Wednesday announced that Catherine, Princess of Wales, had undergone planned abdominal surgery at a private London hospital on Tuesday. The palace said that the surgery was successful and that it expected the princess would remain in hospital for 10 to 14 days of recovery. It added that based on the latest medical advice, Catherine would be unlikely to return to official duties until after Easter. Simon Gaitan, London. People love their lip balm, and so many of those flavors are usually kind of sweet ones. So now there's a new one that tastes like a basket of chicken wings, and uh, you can't get it anywhere. Apparently it's sold out. Burt's Bees announced that it had teamed up with Hidden Valley Ranch to create a line of lip balms that featured the flavors of buffalo sauce, crunchy celery, fresh carrot, and Hidden Valley Ranch. The collaboration started after an April Fool's post in 2022 of Ranch-flavored lip balm. The limited edition pack of lip balms was launched on Wednesday.
I'm Mark Mayfield. All right, it was a holiday shortened trading week starting to wind down as the opening bell rings this morning. Stocks closed higher Thursday as the Atlanta Federal Reserve President Rafael Bostic went on record saying he expects the central banks to start cutting rates third quarter this year. At the closing bell, the Dow gained 202 points. S&P 500 rose by 41. The Nasdaq gained 200 points. Talk Radio 77 WABC. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yep, that me. Uh, good morning. It is Friday, January 19th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Snow starts this morning. The snow showers continue this afternoon. We could get one to three inches here in the city before the storm moves out tonight. The high today, 33. Saturday going to be awfully cold, mostly cloudy, high 26. And then Sunday, sunshine, high 33. If you are walking out the door with us right now, so happy you are. 25 cloudy in Peekskill up in Westchester County. 30 and cloudy in Little Silver down in New Jersey. And it is 29. Actually, we're seeing a little bit of light snow here in Midtown. We'll Start this half hour right here in the city where sneakers are like gold to so many people this these days, some of them so incredibly valuable. So thieves now have been ransacking some of these high price sneaker stores, stealing thousands of dollars worth of merchandise. The latest attack happening in Queens, the thieves using a car to bash in the store's gate before running inside. Police investigating whether the heist connected to a larger bird burglary ring that expands beyond New York City because there's been similar robberies around the tri-state. The owner of the sneaker store called Sample New York, it's on Jamaica Avenue in Richmond Hill, says, you know, I'm just a small business guy. And when people come in and ransack my store like this, they can put us out of business. Guys these days, they don't care. Total damages with uh, stolen merchandise is nearly $40,000. Yeah, Sample New York has this expensive security system, uh, cameras. It also has a sign that tells people that have masks and hoodies on to take them off before they come in to shop. But that didn't help a whole lot, of course, when this car rammed the gate middle of the night to break their way into the store. My son is actually one that got, got me into the business. My son is the one that's the sneakerhead. He's been doing this since he was 13 years old. My son is 30 years old now. He's hurt. He's really hurt. Business now on hold at Sample New York. Their limited edition sneakers that are left are still on the shelf. And um, they were hit so hard. Now they're looking at this other sneaker store, Wanta Long Island. Same thing. The burglars took their car and rammed the gate uh, of the front of the store to get in. So maybe they're all connected here. Young generation these days is, you know, they're doing these crazy acts and they're getting away with it. Yeah, some of these sneakers, though, they can go for thousands of dollars. 534. Out to New Jersey. We're getting more information on that murder-suicide we told you about earlier this week. Four members of a family union township, New Jersey, found dead inside their home Wednesday. Two adults, two children. While police investigate what happened inside of the house on Lincrest Avenue, neighbors sharing that it was a mother, a father, and two little girls that were found inside the house. The girls were in first and third grade. It's very sad. It's it's a big tragedy, and uh, I don't know, we're shocked. I have children, I have grandchildren, and somebody had to be really sick.
Yeah, that's what people are saying. Lots of just one sick person at all it takes, people scratching their heads. How could you do that to little girls? The property surrounded by yellow caution tape today still. The police are no longer in front of this house as they do their investigation. We do find out now that the family had been delivered a notice of eviction recently. And when cops showed up at the door on Wednesday, they were there for something else, but just got a vibe that something was wrong and broke into the house and were shocked by what they found. Just, uh, you know, walking outside this morning looking and just kind of thinking like, uh, you know, that's just, you know, oh, God, I'm, I, I don't understand what happened. Investigators say it is a murder-suicide. They're not telling us a whole lot more than that. A 24-year-old man stabbed in the neck outside of a migrant shelter on Randall's Island. This happened about 3.30 yesterday following some sort of large fight. They say the man transported to Harlem Hospital expected to survive. A source telling us that it was likely the security guard that was stabbed and confronted outside the shelter. It's one of a couple of attacks. You'll remember on January 6th, a 24-year-old migrant was stabbed to death on the food line inside a shelter. Mayor Adams has spoke about the violence and says he's going to up the ante and security in these places. The team was already looking at, um, you know, bringing metal detectors uh, to the shelters, you know, and that is a part of our goal, public safety. We're going to utilize visual technology. We're going to put cameras in many of the sites and locations. But right now, there are no metal detectors at the Randall Iowans, uh, Randall's Island facility that has been a migrant shelter for a while now. WABC News Time 539, the New York City Medical Examiner's Office has never given up trying to identify all the bodies, all the people who lost their lives during the 9-11 attacks at the World Trade Center. And uh, amazing that they're still using DNA, really advanced DNA, to identify more of these bodies. And uh, it's not bodies, whatever they can trace of these people, they can find. And the latest one is John Ballantyne Niven. He was a 44-year-old from Oyster Bay, was an executive at Aon Risk Services, an insurance firm that was on the 105th floor of the tower of uh, Trade Center 2. Uh, he died, of course, in the 9-11 attacks, left behind a wife and a son who was just 18 months old at the time. It's just horrific. Niven is now the 1,650th victim identified from that deadliest act of terror on American soil. Mayor Adams saying yesterday that he's grateful for the ongoing work from the office of the chief medical examiner that honors the memory of people like John Ballantine Niven who were lost. The medical examiner's office telling us that they use this advanced DNA analysis to identify victims' remains in recent years. But still at this point, 40% of the victims of the World Trade Center attacks have yet to have their remains identified as full, few full bodies, of course, were recovered when those giant towers collapsed. But kudos to them that they continue to do this great work and that they're still not giving up trying to identify the loved ones. 540, there is a push on now to eliminate the statute of limitations for sex trafficking here in New York. Senator Cordell Clear says right now survivors have this five-year window to come forward to initiate legal action from the date of the alleged offense. Sometimes it takes someone five years just to come back to their senses, just to be whole again, and then to know and pursue their attackers. So she's sponsoring a bill along with Assemblyman Jeff Dinowitz that would eliminate the statute, statute of limitations. When we give survivors time to report, uh, they come forward. We've seen this time and time again. We saw this uh, when New York eliminated the statute of limitations for rape. 
it gives the DAs the ability to go after people who have committed among the most heinous of crimes. 541, a teenager girl's escape from a South Jersey hotel led to the discovery of an alleged human trafficking network. The girl escaped from a hotel in Burlington County where 40-year-old Naeem Johnson was allegedly holding her and sex trafficking her. A state grand jury has voted to file criminal charges against Johnson. It's a 16-count indictment. His last known address was in Philadelphia. He's been charged with human trafficking and other offenses. A co-defendant by the name of Thomas Fulcher of Marlton, New Jersey, was arrested last summer in Atlantic City. James Flippin for 77 WABC News. The NYPD giving us a little more information. How they were able to bust that creep who was involved in four stabbings in Queens. Three of the stabbings had happened 24 hours earlier, and then they found him. Police Commissioner Eddie Caban says personnel from several bureaus worked the case really hard, as he says more than 8 million New Yorkers acted as their eyes and ears. Ultimately, it came down to basic detective work, chasing down leads, knocking on doors. It was about walking through neighborhoods and talking to people. Chief of Detectives Joe Kenny says it all culminated when a resident in Springfield Gardens allowed police access to their own video system. Detectives were able to view a male fitting the description provided by several victims entering and exiting 133-1916 Street. And of course they were really worried that he was going to attack somebody again. He had attacked three people in 24 hours, a fourth one earlier using a hunting knife. These detectives were tasked for one thing and one thing only, to go door to door, store to store, interviewing people and interacting with the public. Yes, so Police Commissioner Eddie Caban says this violent creep off the streets thanks uh, to just good old-fashioned police work. A violent criminal is off our streets because of good old-fashioned police work. Yeah, good job done there by the NYPD. New York City's fire commissioner giving the thumbs up about her meetings in D.C. yesterday. She was there, Laura Kavanaugh, posting on social media about her efforts to try to convince lawmakers to ban unregulated lithium-ion batteries, not only in the city, but she wants this ban to be nationwide. And that's really critical. I mean, they wouldn't come into our ports, they wouldn't come into our state, and ultimately it'd make them much harder to make it into our city. So it's really important. The batteries which are used for e-bikes have caused a large number of fires here in the city over recent years. Kavanaugh will be in D.C. until Friday, pushing or today, new legislation on that matter. Yesterday, the last day of a series of hearings over the cargo ship fire at Port Newark that killed two city firefighters last year. Michelle Brooks lost her husband, Wayne, in the fire. She spoke out yesterday saying their deaths were preventable. The family and I are deeply, deeply disturbed, upset, heartbroken all over again. The family members of the victims also criticizing the leadership of Newark's fire department, saying they didn't handle the response to the blaze properly. The Coast Guard, National Transportation Safety Board have been holding hearings on the fire. Coast Guard questioned why it took so long to get mutual aid in there and questioned Newark fire officials as to why New York's fire department wasn't called in sooner to help out as well. A group of Lower East Side business residents officials planning to file a class action lawsuit now against the MTA's congestion pricing plan. Folks in the area weighing in. The regular people can't afford to pay it. The cost and extra traffic would be terrible. Still going to be a whole lot of cars still driving. It's not going to change. It's basically pushing driving 
in resting out of the city. The plaintiffs include Queens Assemblyman David Weprin, Councilman Robert Holden. They're taking legal action in part because they say the $15 toll to enter Manhattan below 6th Street will hurt local businesses. They're also worried that drivers might take advantage of the toll-free FDR and cause all kinds of traffic delays in their neighborhood. They're going to double charge now. So it's going to be more problems. So imagine when they start sending out delivery trucks and they start charging people that congestion fees. The stores are getting overpriced for deliveries to their store. Everybody's getting overpriced. You choose to live in New York. It's noisy anyway, and it's congested anyway, you know? This is a choice we make by living here. (laughs) You can move, especially if you can afford to live over here. You certainly got the money to move. (laughs) Okay, yeah, but a lot of lower Manhattan businesses are worried that people won't go downtown and they'll go out of business. 545, let's head over to the 77WABC Sports Desk where we find Justin Ellick. Thank you, Noah Maladen. Start here on the hardwood at the Garden last night. Jalen Brunson went off with 41 points, 8 rebounds, and 8 assists, leading the Knicks to a 113-109 victory over the Washington Wizards. Brunson scored 18 of the Knicks' 21 points during a lengthy stretch of the fourth quarter, helping them push a one-point lead to 105-97 with about a minute and a half remaining. Brunson finished 14 for 27 from the field and scored at least 30 for the second straight night after missing two games because of a bruised left calf. He had 20 in the fourth quarter. Tonight in L.A., the Nets return to the court to face the Lakers. That action is scheduled for 10.30 p.m. Uh, tip-off. Now to ice hockey last night. The Rangers got handled easily by the Golden Knights. Final score 5-1 to one from Vegas. Mika Zibanejad scored the lone goal for the Rangers on a power play goal in the third. Man, New York actually dominated early, outshooting the Knights 11-4 with some grade-A chances that almost found the back of the net, but the momentum clearly would not last for the Blue Shirts and route to the loss. Tonight in Columbus, the Devils return to the ice to face off the Blue Jackets. That action scheduled for 7 p.m. And finally, looking ahead to the NFL Divisional Round playoff action coming up this weekend starting tomorrow at 4.30 p.m. in the AFC. The four-seed Houston Texans will visit the one-seed Baltimore Ravens as nine-and-a-half-point road dogs before the NFC takes center stage with the seven-seed Green Bay Packers in San Francisco to take on the one-seed 49ers at 8.15 p.m. tomorrow night. San Fran heads in. Uh, to that one as nine and a half point favorites on Sunday the NFC will kick off the action at 3 p.m. with the four seed Tampa Bay Buccaneers in Detroit to face the three seed Detroit Lions as six and a half point road dogs before the AFC takes the reins with in my opinion the game of the weekend the three seed Kansas City Chiefs with Patty Mahomes playing his first ever road playoff game in Buffalo against Josh Allen and the Bills that kickoff set for 6 30 p.m. on Sunday night and Buffalo heads in as three point favorites you know sometimes those teams that have the week off they're a little rusty yeah, maybe you bet against one of those teams, no? Yeah, I mean, listen, a nine-and-a-half-point spread is a big spread, and uh, it's the playoffs, man. So, you know, I mean, all these teams uh, deserve to be out there playing in these games, and all of them are going to be playing uh, balls to the wall, for lack of a uh, better term there, no. So nine-and-a-half-point spread, I think, uh, are easily coverable for those. Not easily coverable, I, should, I shouldn't say that, but... They are. Uh, it, it, it's in the realm of possibility, I should say, that that nine and a half point spread is covered by these other oh. dogs. Yep. Right. Maybe right. I'll take one of those then. Maybe you will if you got the money to spare. I'm Justin Ellick. That's sports on WABC. The big story of the morning, no doubt, will be the snowstorm that's moving in the second one in a week in New Jersey. Governor Murphy warning that the winter is making up for lost time after a couple of years of hardly any snow. State offices in New Jersey are shut today because it's going to be a daytime storm. So there's a little worry about getting to and back home from work. That snow could melt into slush or turn to ice, which will make for a dangerous Friday night commute 
throughout the Garden State. Winter advisory for 15 counties, state of emergency, going to stay in effect this weekend. Governor Murphy, you know, saying Mother Nature making up for a whole bunch of lost time. After a couple of years with hardly any snowfall in New Jersey, today we are headed for our second snowstorm of the week. New York City Sanitation Department, 700 million pounds of salt at the ready before the first snowflake even falls. A fleet of 800 salt spreaders going to start making their rounds across the five boroughs. City, by the way, this week has been cracking down big time on those people who do not clear the walk, and there's a lot of them. And now it's just, of course, ice because it's all frozen over and makes it really treacherous at points to get through the city, more so in the outer boroughs than it is here in Manhattan. So, uh, they gave out 2,000 tickets over the last 24 hours, which is a lot when you consider during the last snowstorm back in 2022, they only gave out 668 tickets, all written by Department of Sanitation. It's a little bit dangerous. You know, you take a fall here, you go break a hip, you go break on an arm, you know, it's very dangerous. Those tickets, not cheap, by the way. It's 100 bucks for a first offense. New York City. Also under a travel advisory like New Jersey for the day today, public school is going to stay open as they always usually do during these snowstorms, especially one that's a kind of minor one like this. Let's check in with the National Weather Service to find out what they say is going to happen today. Here's meteorologist Jay Angle. Yeah, we're looking right around the time of the uh, morning commute uh, or maybe just after or at the tail end of it. So figure much, pretty much uh, 7 to 9, 6 to 10 a.m. And then it's gone by the, uh, it starts to exit during the early portion of the evening commute. Jay Engel giving us a little sense of how ugly it might get. Uh, whatever flakes do fall, every flake will count because the ground's cold, uh, temperatures are cold to start. So it's not like one of these situations when you have snowflakes that are first uh, melting when they hit the ground and then it takes a few hours for it to get cold enough for it to stick. Whatever falls will stick. Right now, we're thinking uh, if you head well up north, maybe up to an inch, but as you head further south, there is that chance that, you know, enough uh, light to occasionally moderate snow might be able to get in here where you can pick up a couple inches uh, in and around the city and uh, getting out into Long Island and uh, southern parts of northeastern New Jersey. And the story is after the snow falls, when that storm moves out this evening, it's going to be really cold just for about 24 hours. We're going to see wind chills. values, especially during the late night and early morning hours, getting uh, right to around zero, maybe a bit below zero, well north and west, otherwise single-digit wind chills, uh, widespread. Of course, it is winter, so it's supposed to be cold. The snow will develop between, depends on where you are, where you're listening to us, let's say between 5 a.m., in the most southern parts of New Jersey and 9 a.m. So some of you might be seeing flakes already. Then the brunt of the storm between 9 and 4 o'clock today, the storm should move out for the most of us, should taper off by about 8 o'clock. And as Jay Engel said, here in the city, 1 to 3 inches. New Jersey it might actually get hit the hardest in this. They may get a few more inches than that, up to even 6 inches in some places. And uh, this taking place as just the entire country feeling this wind chill. It's cold no matter where you go, especially in places like Buffalo, where we find reporter Emil Akita. So much snow, officials say. It's not just a matter of moving the snowfall to the side. They actually are having trucks come in, picking up the snow and relocating the snow to other areas. Yeah, they've had it's like 14 days of continuous snow. But again, they're used to that in places like Buffalo. Communities across the country are experiencing extreme weather coast to coast. More than 60 million Americans today are under winter weather alerts.
All right. So, of course, keep it here. 77 WABC. We'll have all the details on that storm as it moves in and then moves out later this evening. Bring it back home. Republicans holding a rally for congressional candidate Mozzie Pillup on Wednesday night when some pro-Palestinian protesters who had snuck in and made them look like they were part of the crowd, uh, they started yelling at the candidate. It makes me very, very upset. How dare you? It got ugly. There were a couple hundred people who were screaming at this woman who had stood up. There was others, uh, pro-Palestinian protesters among the crowd. The demonstrators, they were shown the door. No arrests were made. Mozzie Pillip, of course, taking on Democrat Tom Suaz. A special election to fill the seat George Santos was thrown out of. The election takes place February 13th. We do have our first poll this morning that shows this race is pretty tight. It is a poll from WPIX in my alma mater, Emerson College. It was released last night. The Nassau County, former Nassau County legislator, uh, is behind uh, Swazi, who represented New York's 3rd Congressional District for three terms before an unsuccessful run for governor, is ahead of Pillup. He has 45% of the vote in the survey to hers, 42%. So just 3% difference. About 9% of people who took part in this Emerson College poll say they're still undecided today. And let's end the news uh, with, uh, let's see, the NYPD. This is kind of a fun story. Normally they are busting crooks, but now a group of NYPD cops are busting moves. A group of NYPD officers trading their badges while walking the beat for rhythm and choreography. It is the NYPD dance team. Who knew there was such a thing? Like police work, you might guess it's not all fun. They spend hours during the week practicing their moves. This day at work, it could be the longest, hardest day at work. I come here, the girls are always smiling, and we're, it's just nice. Yeah, so the NYPD has about four dozen competitive groups. It's more than just a club. Uh, they, uh, uh, they have to compete against each other, and they go out and perform at galas, that kind of we thing. We have dancing because the mental health is kind of, you know, takes a toll while having this job. And so we just want to have an outlet so that people are able to express themselves creatively. The dance team even shows up at local schools when they're trying to teach kids to exercise and respect police on the beat. They're always surprised. They're like, do you get the bad guys? It's so fun. They love to dance. They love learning. And we love teaching it to them. They get so excited whenever we come. Yeah, that was a new one to me. I did not know that there was an NYPD dance team comprised of cops. Kind of cool. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.